Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Well, hello. Hey, everybody out there. This is one of our personal transformation videos, which means we're not going to have... <laughs> you said video. Oh. <laughs> Podcast. And this, see, I teach mindfulness. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> fooled me. I won't tell them all of your sad moments of Don't non-mindfulness. Don't <laughs> <laughs> So this is a personal transformation of ours, and it's actually not one that happened in the past, but one that is presently occurring. Unfolding as we speak. Yes, so we are bringing you right here with us. It is real. You know what? Let's update people on what's going on. Okay. Because there's some yeah. stuff going on in our life Okay, right so now. some of you may know and some of you may not know that we are moving into the yurt. Yeah, so the yurt was our home right about six months after we had Mirabelle? Yep, Mirabelle was six months old when we moved into the yurt. And we stayed there for about a year. Yeah, she was about a year and a half when we moved out. Mm -hmm. She got to experience that, but at a very young age. That was one of the hardest times in our life and one of the most growth-filled. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start with that. I do want to interject that at this moment in time, we're recording, talking about moving into the yurt, because we're about to do it soon. But by the time you listen to us, we will have been in the yurt already. Yeah. How is that for whoa? whoa. <laughs> so if you watch our videos, I guess there'll be a little time lag because we record these podcasts up in the ahead of time. How would you say that? We have numerous of them recorded <laughs> weeks ahead. How can we say it in the most confusing we travel way? Travel into the past, <laughs> and then we. <laughs> so obviously, moving into the yurt means downsizing. We really wanted to move into the yurt. We've been talking about it for a while because we really wanted to give ourselves a chance to have some family togetherness time. And we house share this house, so. Our housemates are going to be basically taking over the house itself. And that is, well. Kind of sounds like a horror movie. The housemates are taking over the house. <laughs> Except for it's not. It's really wonderful, actually. We'll have a lot of access to the house and the things that we would need in the house, laundry, etc. But we're going to be living out in the yurt again, which. It's a 20 foot yurt. Yeah. For, I'm sure we're going to have some videos of what it's like in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So if you tune into the YouTube channel, you maybe have already seen some of those. I'm excited. And I'm a little scared. I'm scared too. And I'm a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> the girls are mostly excited. They are so brave. Yeah, it's a big adventure for them. I'm surprised. And they, they've been going, we've all been going through things and letting things go. And that's really what's transforming us right now oh, is yeah. this concept of letting go. And I am learning lessons from both of them, watching them take things that I thought were the most precious of precious and them saying, you know, I'm going to give this to my cousin and I'm going to give this to my other cousin and <laughs> I'm going to see if somebody else wants this. It's been amazing. It's been hard for me. So I'm kind of a dragon. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so a hoarder, but in a different way. I, I don't collect a bunch of 
what I would consider junk, but I've got all these treasures that if you would go, if you'd imagine you go into some city and, and you find this store in the back alley and it has, it's kind of out of Harry Potter and it's got dragon claws and crystal balls and weird things. I mean, that's the sort of stuff. Oh, like a, what they call it like a curiosity, a curiosity shop. shop. Yeah. So all these things that I've collected since childhood, and some of them are just very magical and unique. Some of them we don't even know what they are. Oh, yeah, I know. What is that That little thing in the glass box that's like on a little pedestal. Somebody intentionally set it there, but it was like some piece of seaweed, but not exactly. Some creature from the lagoon. We have really interesting things. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're interesting people. So it's been hard for you, though, I imagine. Interesting. Special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been hard. There's been this letting go process that we're all experiencing. But at the same time that it's difficult, it is also so liberating. Oh, there's a huge freedom in sending boxes away to be donated or letting our friends and family go through items and seeing people treasuring those things themselves. But then also, so it's like things in our life have a weight to them, right? They do. There's energy that's required to upkeep things, not to mention finances and then the energy it takes to work in order to earn the money, in order to pay for the thing, and when things break down, and then there's just the sheer amount of things. How many things can you hold and look at and engage with and do at any one time? I can see appreciating things, but as we've started this downsizing, I've really almost physically experienced that weight. Mm. I was looking through some stuff today and and thinking about, well, how am I going to find a home for this and what am I going to do? And realizing that it took energy to try Mm. to figure out what to do with this stuff. And it's taken energy, you know, very small amounts for each item to keep those items kind of in my head and where are they located and all those little bits of energy add up. Oh, yeah, because think of all the objects that we currently have and then you just take one item okay i'm i need to get rid of this i probably need to recycle it but it's not standard recycling so i should make a phone call to find out where i should do that oh and then this is where i should go but what are the hours and then does it cost something and how am i going to transport that because it's kind of an unwieldy item it probably won't fit in the car do i need to borrow a truck that's for one item that's for one item and often we don't think about this when we're purchasing something Because there's all of that like purchase fuzzy love kind of happy chemicals and retail therapy. Right. It's releasing chemicals. Not that that's always bad. I mean, perhaps there is something that you've been really waiting for and it is going to be special and precious to you. But we just have to ask ourselves a year down the road, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, is that item still going to be as precious? Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we came up with the flesh to steel ratio with our friend Chris? Did we come up with the flesh to steel ratio? I, this happens all the time. Like every third podcast, you are like, yeah, we came up with that. Well, definitely either we did or Chris did or we did together. Okay. okay. This was not something we yes. read about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This was our, our friend Chris. Thing. He is amazing, wonderful. 
astronomer. Genius. He runs a planetarium. Incredible Genius. guy. Yeah, he is super smart. And we had great philosophical conversations long ago in ages past. We oh. still have great philosophical conversations, but this one in particular was about flesh to steel. And we were talking about, so the flesh, one human being to the steel, which was basically objects. Like when you look at yourself, if you took yourself, oh, a magazine did something like this where they took families and then they had them put all their objects outside their house. Was that like time or something? I I don't remember. And it was amazing to see here's here's this one person or three people in a family and then here's all their belongings. And it's a lot of stuff. And then think about it from the whole, like your whole life. So you start to add up, just in cars, for instance, start to add up the amount, the weight of steel and plastic and rubber that and paper that you have amassed in in cars behind your little piece of flesh that is you oh my goodness so then yeah just the cars right just the cars now i'll start talking about yeah i jumped the gun with the paper but i was just thinking about paper i mean i was thinking about toilet paper (laughs) i don't know why toilet paper but anyway yeah it'd be it's immense how much stuff just one human being generates and that often it turns into waste a lot of that stuff is going into the waste stream oh well and nowadays i'm always saying this they just don't make things like they used to it feels like things break more easily and they aren't handcrafted by someone down the road who you can go to and say hey look this is broken can you fix this for me and they go oh sure i'll have it to you by saturday right i think there's real truth to that and we have tools (sighs) hammers and stuff out in the garage that are ancient and they're still kicking 20s yeah yeah and you buy a new one with a fancy plastic oh that's been happening to us with shovels lately and it breaks in a week yeah I, i i don't know about that but here's the deal a lot of that stuff it's it's not just that it has value or we think we're going to use it down the road it's also that it has sentimental value right a mm-hmm. lot of things are oh my gosh that was from my first love i can't give that away because that was just really precious times and we we parted ways but it was really good and oh and that one that's from so and that's from that time in my life and that one there's like memories attached and emotions attached to things you know what and i think that's that's really important to look at because there is an affect or an emotion that we often put onto an object through a memory and then it triggers that. So it gives us, it's almost like the object isn't the important thing, mm-hmm. but the memory or the feeling it gives us. And once we realize that, it can sometimes become easier to part with the object itself. I've been experimenting a little bit with digitalizing some stuff Whoa. and it's just a little mind trick really is this like we're talking cylons here or well <laughs> it's Do you have so a plan? imagine you've got you've got some some letters you and i wrote back and forth and okay they're romantic and stuff but maybe we don't need to hold on to them but i'm having a lot of trouble letting go of them i can take a video camera and just skim it across those letters mm. you know set five of them out skim it across and then i know i can freeze frame it and look at those at any time and often that then gives me the feeling of I've got those if I ever need it to, and it's going to just take up eight kilobytes of, <laughs> well, oh, okay, right, a little bit more, right. than that. a little bit of space on a hard drive. May never look at it again, but sometimes if my mind is feeling weak and I'm not feeling able to let something go, that gives you just enough emotional security or support to say, I can let this go. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like we have to let go of things in increments. 
Mm-hmm. We say, Rama, put this away. And then the next time I see it, if I haven't referenced it, I'm going to let it go. But oh, yeah. what you're saying about the emotional thing is that the emotions and the memories that we have, those can stay with us, right? I mean, another thing you could do is have a journal and just journal about some of the important yes. things you see. Okay, the vase from my niece that she gave me when she was three doesn't really fit anymore, so I'm going to write about it, how wonderful that was. And then maybe I'm going to turn around and go call her now that she's 16 and say, hey, you know what? I was just thinking about you. So we have to realize that it's the objects don't always hold the value. It's what they're attached to. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to keep the thing in order to keep that memory. Yeah. You know, you often talk about what we will take with us. Mm. And if, if we believe in an afterlife or, or something like that, there's a there's a reality to that you know we're not going to bring our car or our money or whatever else it is unless you're like cleopatra (laughs) yeah you're right (laughs) they did that with the egyptians they sent them with a lot of stuff right yeah yeah sometimes you're like your entire household of people i'm sorry your mistress has died time for you to go along with (laughs) wait (laughs) anyway okay so beside the point What are we going to take with us? And I think what I'm meaning by that is what value do the objects have? And are objects the thing that we're after or is it subjects? So even if we don't believe in an afterlife, what you're saying here is that there's this affect, this emotion that we put onto things. Mm -hmm. And if we're not aware of that, then we are kind of enslaved by the objects. With advertisers, we become enslaved because that fancy new whatever name brand this or that thingamajig right it's it's going to give us it's set up through the advertising that this is going to trigger a brain chemical reaction when we purchase this thing and give us this feeling we don't even know that that's been set up right for us but we we are subject to it and then we find ourselves needing to buy more and more of these things to get that feeling again but with these older objects that we're letting go of same thing Yes. Do I really need that object? You know, that special stone that you gave to me Mm -hmm. five years ago on the beach? Or, hey, I've got you. Right, right. (laughs) And and that's, (laughs) in that memory. Sure, there's something definitely to be said about the relationships that we are fostering and the skills that we're learning, right? That's why I'm saying subjects, not objects. What is the subject matter of our life? How do I interact with the people around me? What is the depth of personal evolution that I'm cultivating? The depth mm-hmm. of my relationship with my family, my friends, my coworkers, my world around me. Yeah. How invested am I in that? And maybe is that at least equally as important? And hopefully more so. You know, in our videos, we talk often about just having a certain amount of mental energy. And with just so much energy in my mind to use, these, all these objects that I have, when I was feeling that weight of them, right. they each use a little bit of, of that energy in my mind, which means that I have a little less energy to give to the things that I actually think have more value, like my children and you and my friends. Am I going to carry that weight of all these things or Mm. am I going to take and free up that energy? And what we're doing now in our life to me feels like this radical freeing of energy so much so that this morning it felt so connected. I don't think I've 
felt disconnected maybe ever with our girls, with each other, you and me. We had some really precious moments that felt incredible. And I think maybe that that's the biggest benefit of downsizing aside from saving money and not having to upkeep things. It's that you replenish your energy stores and can channel them into things that truly mm -hmm. satisfy you. Yes, that's it. This, this decision of where our energy is going to go. What are we really going to welcome into our life? Well, I feel like I have to jump in here for one moment and say that a lot of times, I know for me, I'm one of those sort of perfectionistic plan ahead, make sure I have all my bases covered. And the thought of letting something go, a lot of things, is challenging because I might need that later. Or, or, or but this was like my only copy of this and I may never have yeah. that again. And there's somehow this weird thought in my mind that's like this limited thinking that if I let mm. this go, I'll never have that again. Mm. Not like, if I let this go, maybe something even better will come into my life, right? Doesn't the world work like that when we free up space? Yes. Stuff comes in to fill it. Absolutely. The more space we create, the more new experiences, new things we can begin to process and encounter. We suddenly have energy for mm -hmm. new growth. And so I'd like to imagine that I could have unlimited thinking. Oh, wow. Right? That as I'm giving something away, I say, I'm going to give this up and perhaps something even better. And I don't necessarily mean an object. Right. It I, could I understand your be thing. Clarity of something I've been yeah. mulling over for years. It could be reconnecting with a friend on a deeper level, mm -hmm. right? So I like to think unlimited thinking. Well, alongside that, I want to say maybe you do have that precious stone that you look at mm -hmm. and you say, I remember that. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. And maybe you do want to keep it because maybe it is something that you carry in your pocket on a daily basis. And I feel like that brings us to the concept of being truly materialistic. I remember reading Alan Watts on this one, and <laughs> he said, our culture is often criticized as being materialistic, but we're not. Mm. We're symbolistic. Symbolistic. Oh, perfect. Right? And I'm not sure if that's the exact word he no, used. No, but. but you could say in the next podcast, yeah. so I thought of this thing, it's called symbolistic. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally my idea. My idea. Yeah. And uh, Alan Watts had nothing to do with it. Okay. So I love that. We're not truly materialistic. We're symbolistic. So tell me what you mean. So, okay. The perfect example is this super flashy car. Okay. And can it be red? It can be red. Okay. <sighs> Shiny, like glossy red. Now it's possible to get that car and to enjoy it for that beautiful red color, for the way it drives. And usually that's what we're telling ourselves, but often the real reason we're getting it is because it has a symbolicness mm. to it. We think people are going to look at us and say, wow, who's driving that car? Or we think oh, it's going to be a status symbol or the things that have been put into us from the advertising, right? right. That say, wow, you're going to have sexy girls and guys coming up to your car wanting to get in the car with you if you have this car. Oh, totally. If somebody had a glossy red car, I would completely just like... like yeah. Fall all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ken. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's... Maybe if it was a Corvette, like an old one. Oh, those like 68 Corvettes are real curvy. You know, like the really, yeah. yeah. Oof. 
I used to want one of those really bad red one. And, well, but then but, you found me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. You're, you're saying we think that's the case, but really in our heads, nine times out of ten, we're not actually loving the thing itself. Now, there's some old-time car collectors, and there are some people who truly love, like in this example, their car, right? Right. And it's really, we had a neighbor like that. His car was ancient. However, it looked brand new. Yeah. Because he took extremely good care of it. And he always said, you know, I have taken good care of this for years and years and years and years, and you would never, ever know that it's you know, 30 years old. It's true. I thought it was new when I got in it. Loving these material things and treating them with respect and cherishing them, that encourages us to have less stuff and true. to really appreciate the things that we have. I think if Alan Watts was alive, he would look at our modern offerings on Amazon and stuff and say, it's gotten worse than ever. <laughs> Most of the stuff you buy is not even a real thing. It's a plastic sort of representation of something. And you're just going to get this thing. It's going to break soon, but at least you got it. And it gave you the feeling of getting something. I feel like he might say that about like our food. Oh, yeah. And he a... did actually say that about the food even oh, back then. Yeah. 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 So... Obviously, clearly, that symbolism, symbolistic type of culture, it, that's everywhere where we, everywhere we turn and look. But you're saying, just so that I can really understand this, that true materialism is actually taking care of, interacting with, and loving. I'm not saying obsess over or uh, idolize, but loving the object that you have. And again, I also don't see that anymore. We tend to let things go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I can just get a new one. Take an axe. And you want to buy an axe. <laughs> you scared me for a second. I thought you were like, take an axe, do it. <laughs> and you can go and get a cheapo axe at the store. And, and you're going to be putting extra effort into that, throwing it away and getting a new one. And, and it gets dull really fast and this and that. Now, you're also going to put effort into a really nice handmade one if you get. But that handmade one, it's going to slice through the wood in a different way. You're going to love it and appreciate it. It's, I mean, you can get handmade axes that somebody wow. actually forges and creates. And a beautiful work of art. It's going to cost more. But you're going to treasure it. You're going to take care of it. You're probably going to pass it down maybe for a couple generations. It's going to be this lasting thing that is a material thing but it's just it's treasured it's treated differently has a different energetic feeling around it than the symbolic stuff that we get wow true materialism true materialism <sighs> food is a perfect example you talked about that and you can eat the symbolic food and it doesn't actually taste good and it's super crappy for your body or you could get real food you could take the time to make it you're being more quote real materialistic mm -hmm. by doing so but the benefits are great and with food that cooking becomes a time of bonding with the people around you the serving the food the eating of it when we treat the world around us like that the whole world starts to take shape in a different way it's not just about that single object that acts or that meal that becomes a larger thing a larger context for a more engaged way of being in life. Wow. Who knew? All these things, all these objects. Yeah. You know, it's, wow. I, there's it's a lot to this. Incredible to look at just all the books on our shelves and think, how did that come into our life? 
what have I gotten out of it? Who have I shared it with? Will I keep it? Where will it go next? Mm. I mean, each object almost has a story. It's kind of crazy. But I feel like we've really been learning a lot from all of the letting go. It's been a powerful experience. I'm really grateful for it. There's times like today when Mirabelle kind of hit a wall of, whoa, I just I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I kind of hit the same thing today. But that really showed me how much power these things have, how much weight has been carried in these objects. This letting go, it's so freeing. Oh my gosh. Isn't there some kind of Zen saying or something from that little Zen book that we have? Something about the whinny of a pack horse, unburdened of everything? Yes. I don't know that I said that quite right, but... No, that's it. That's that sense of... (sighs) And it can feel scary, but it also feels so light and so free well speaking of gratitude i think we should take a moment to just express some gratitude to our patrons out there oh my gosh love 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 you know who you are and we talk about you all the time (laughs) and you make our life amazing and you help make this content go out into the world and we are just so deeply deeply thankful for all of the support that you have shown us. Literally every day we have gratitude because this life could not be possible for us and all of this material that we get to give out to the world. Through you, we get to give. So it's thank you. so amazing. And of course, if you want to support us through that method, you're welcome to go to our website, rewildyou.com and check out on the front page there. There's ways to donate through PayPal, through Patreon. Uh, We just, we're so, so, so thankful. I know we keep saying that broken record, broken record, broken record, but thank you. (laughs) R-E-W-I-L-D-U.com. And there's also our online classes on there and our Forest Monk program. Lots of information. Lots of stuff. So, do I get to say it? Say it. Okay, it's time for you to unleash your life. And we have some action points here for you from what we've been learning as we start to pack boxes, move things around, decide what we want to be truly materialistic about. Action point number one. Purchase consciously. Oof. Understanding that when we buy something, it's going to come with a lot more weight There's a cost, a deeper cost. A deeper cost. So you think, okay, I'm going to buy this uh, flat screen TV and it costs $347. We think that's the cost, $347. What we don't realize is that there's a much bigger cost. There's this box that it came in that was trees. Right. So there's an environmental cost. You're going to get home. Now you have to read through the booklet, the manual, which is probably going to drive you batty trying to get the whole thing set up (laughs) and you're going to spend hours away from your family reading this manual then you're going to try to hook up the tv and there's going to be some technical difficulties and that's going to take more time and energy away from your family when it comes time or if you don't have a family from other from things that you could be enjoying yeah there's going to be electricity that is needed to run this that you're going to have to pay for through your work. So some of your work and your money now is going to go to the continued feeding of this television. Well, and of course, if you're going to have 
I don't even, I don't even, we don't have a television. I don't even know if you do cable anymore or if you pay oh, for yeah. like I think whatever you do. it is you have to, know. you have to pay in order to see stuff on your right. television. I think usually. subscriptions or something. I, we don't know. We're like in the stone age, we live in a yurt. <laughs> so, right. So there's that, that you have to pay for. And of course, if it breaks and you can't repair it. Which most of these things are pretty tough to repair oh these days. Oh my gosh, think of all of that going into the landfill. So, yeah, maybe there's a warranty. And then you're going to have a huge headache trying to do the whole warranty thing. with. And if you right. don't, then as you say, there's a disposal. And a lot of these electronics, there's going to be a cost associated, a monetary cost, and driving somewhere or figuring out where you can recycle it. There's all this extra cost that we don't think of when we just see $349 for Seven, this. Seven, it was 47 Oh, okay. It's Mind the mindfulness. Again. Yes. <laughs> well, okay, so purchase consciously. So that means maybe you take a period of time where you sort of train yourself into this. You say, for the next month, each time I'm going to purchase something, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to trace it. Because just mm-hmm. saying, okay, now I'm going to purchase consciously, it's like, whoa. I can't do that with every item in my shopping cart at the grocery store, no. right? So you could commit yourself to just a period of time or with certain purchases and not just blindly purchase something, but say, okay, I'm going for that uh, little plastic container of Tic Tacs. Whoa, wait a second. What works really well often for people is either to put a monetary amount or some other designator. So you could say, if it's in a green container or whatever, then I'm going to stop and I'm going to look. Or if it's over $20 to purchase this thing, I'm going to stop and I'm going to look. And that gives us a focal point for this exercise or this practice. But eventually it starts to become more habitual and we start to reach for whatever it is on the shelf and think, okay, wait, there's plastic wrapping on this. That's going to have to be disposed of or recycled and the energy that's going to be associated with that. So that's to start off giving yourself some kind of a, of a marker that has a person's face on the package. Then you're going to know, oh, that's the kind of thing. There's a person's face. I'm going to stop and really think about this. <laughs> or like maybe there's words on the package. Yeah, exactly. I'm teasing you. A lot yeah. of packages have words on them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, see, this is why our life is a little different. Because I was actually thinking of being in the co-op with our cloth bags, getting produce is where my mind was. Yes. And so there were no words on the oh, on any of the packaging. Right. Wow, well, there you go. But of course, yes, words <clears throat> on the package. Everything is going to have words on the package. So that is one way that's going to help us not to maybe bring so many things into our life unless we really feel that it's necessary or we can be truly materialistic about it. I think action point number two follows directly behind that, which Mm. is when you buy something, give something away. It's a super easy practice. You buy, okay, again, that television, you're going to try to give away an object and see what happens. Does your mind go, okay, I could give away this paper clip. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see here. Flat screen TV for paper clip. (laughs) Or is it going to say, okay, I'm going to try to give away something that's kind of takes up the equivalent space and energy of that television. And that's kind of the spirit of this practice is when you bring something into your life to let something go. And that keeps us from accumulating so much stuff. You do not, trust me, I have been going through boxes. You do not want to accumulate a lot of things. And I'm so sorry to tell you, Rebecca, but we do not have much stuff in comparison. Are you kidding me? I feel like we have so many things. To like most people. I'm sorry. 
Okay. All right. I'll try to believe you. <laughs> it seems like a lot right now. It does. Yeah. And it is for us. Yeah. So I'm going to be trying to apply these principles even more strenuously in my life. Okay. Action point number three. We're getting to do this one in kind of a fast forward mode, but the idea is to redo a room. Okay. So of course we've been going from room to room to room. Yeah. You can just take one room and it's, you get pretty intense with this. So you're going to take your kitchen and over the next week, you're going to go through everything. Yeah. All the drawers. You're going to look at the, those cutting boards and say, okay, do I still need all those cutting boards? Is that one maybe time for it to find another home or get recycled or the whole room going through it and looking at each object and taking a moment to say, does this object still have application in my life? Is it something that is giving me something in my life or is it just another object? Right, like that one thing I saw on an infomercial and then I had to have it because it was going to make my life so much easier, but actually it doesn't really work because... The triple X 5000 vegetable slicer dicer. Right, that's been sitting in my cupboard gathering dust for the last five years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kitchens are like that, aren't they? Yeah, they can be. (laughs) Okay, action point number four. This is subject, not object. Choose a subject, not an object. This is what we were talking about earlier, where we start to notice in our life one subject that we really want to cultivate and put our energy toward. By subject, you mean? I mean a person Mm -hmm. or a subject, a skill, something to learn or something we already know that we want to take to the next level. I really love to do watercolor and I want to spend Mm -hmm. the next few evenings doing more watercolor or I really want to reconnect with my mom you know we've been having some good conversations and I want to see her more and I want to develop more of a relationship with her and so instead of what can I go by that will give me a good feeling who can I talk to or what can I learn or cultivate as a skill that will make me feel good you know I think this one kind of circles to back to number one purchase consciously Mm. because What I can start doing is saying, okay, I really want to buy that shiny thing from Amazon. And then I can stop and say, what is it that I want to get from that? Mm. It might be that if I look deep enough, it's going to give me a feeling of being connected with people or feeling like I'm, I don't know. Special. Special. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And so... Then seeing, is there a way that that can be accomplished or something similar to that in a subject rather than an object? Right. And those subjects usually give us so much more fulfillment. The the trick is that the objects give us a kind of a high, buzzy, excited sort of satisfaction. It's an addictive sort of satisfaction, and it can be tough to see past that. But as we cultivate this, we start to see there's a big difference between that high, buzzy, kind of addictive thing and a deep fulfillment that I get from painting a watercolor. Right. Redoing a piece of furniture into something beautiful. Doing something that involves skill or connection with another person. Right, going fishing with my grandkids. Yeah. I feel that objects tend to be really obnoxious in that they kind of scream at us 
like, okay. They do, yeah. I'm broken, right? And you have your kid who comes up and is like, hey, mom, mom, I really want to do this with you. It's so neat. I saw this butterfly. Let's go look at it. And you're like, no, the lawnmower is broken and I really need to fix it. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because it's an object. We can let it sit there and it'll still be broken when we come back, right? (laughs) But the subject will probably not be... Right, but your child wanting to show you this beautiful butterfly will be lost. That, that, and it's not that you can't have more opportunities, but that one will be lost. Yeah, that I think kind of nails it for me, Becca is this realization that the people around you, these experiential things, they are more fleeting, they are more precious, they are more fulfilling. Way more nourishing. Than any of these objects, no matter how precious those objects can seem. And actively, our consumerism culture is trying to get us basically addicted to these objects. But if we can see that, if we can see what's really going on, if we can learn to transform that and aim our appreciation at the people and the subjects around us, life is going to be way, way more fulfilling. Absolutely. And I just, I put out a little personal challenge to everybody because this is a place that I struggle with. When someone, a person or a being, an animal or a plant or nature, the light calls you, and says, excuse me, and they raise their hand, and it's like, they're like, please, can you look at me right now? Please, can you give me your attention right now? Put down your iPad, or your smartphone, or your broken lawnmower, or the laundry basket of laundry that needs to be done, and realize those are objects. They can wait for you, and go and be with that person, or that light, or that animal that's calling you. Just try it a couple times, and see how you feel. That's really beautiful. Don't cry right now. Well, nobody can see you cry. Go ahead and cry. I am too, because it's just been a really like powerful day. It's been huge. And this whole experience of letting this stuff go and realizing the weight it's carried and and kind of falling in love with aspects of my life that were a little bit lost under the weight of all those objects. Yeah. So number five, stay on your rewilding journey. (sighs) Why rewilding? Because it asks us to see our life holistically, to observe our mind, our body, our fitness, the things we surround ourselves with, to become conscious of life. And of what fills us up. What satisfies us? Is it things? And if so, how are we embracing those things? Is it people? Is it subjects? Is it nature? This is an entrance into a new way of living. If we can start to see that we can focus mainly on subjects, on people and experiences and skills, and if we can start to appreciate the objects that we choose to keep consciously in our lives in a new way, then in a way those objects, they become subjects. Mm-hmm. Well said. So it's been a big day, and I think that we should just go have a nice cup of tea, sit down, and just enjoy each other's company. Thanks, Rebecca. That sounds great. All right. Thank you very much for sharing this time with us. We're grateful to all of you listeners out there. And let us know what you think, what you discover, how this works for you in your life. You can write to us at rewildyou.com or on the podcast page. Leave comments. We really want to hear from you. All right. Love to you all. (laughs) 